This is Included, the podcast. Conversations toward a greater understanding of the inclusive love of Jesus. Unpacking the mystery and wonder of the Word of God for those seeking an affirming, equitable Salvation Army for others. Thanks for joining. We invite you to take a posture of listening and exploring as we seek together the good news for the whosoever. Hello and welcome, friends, to another episode of Included the Podcast. I'm so glad that you are with us, and I hope that you've been enjoying the previous episodes and getting much encouragement and information and whatever else it is you need from them. Uh, This week, we're going to have a great episode. I'm joined by a, a wonderful man that I was privileged to meet quite a few years ago in Chicago, but he's not from America. Um, He's actually in Europe, in Denmark, in Copenhagen. His name is Arno, and um, he's got a history with the Salvation Army and is involved in work that very much aligns with the mission that we are a part of globally today. And so I want to introduce Arno and welcome you. And Arno, why don't you share a little bit about who you are, um, your history with the Salvation Army, and what's going on in your life? Okay, thank you. Well, thank you for having me. Well, uh, for the last five and a half years, um, I have been working for Salvation Army as a civilian in Copenhagen, and I'm involved with um, homeless work and especially with migrants, including developing a project and getting migrants into work and out of poverty. Um, And um, um, yeah, so a lot of things to do with that for the last five five and a half years. But I really... um, Um, if I could say, met Salvation Army for the first time in 98 in the UK uh, when I was uh, moved there to to plant the church. And uh, our local church and the Salvation Army Corps started to do a lot of work together and uh, had did some homeless work together and had a gospel choir together. And we always did the Red Shield Appeal where we were out at our church to raise money for Salvation Army for a week, you know, every year and all this. So, so, so that was really my first introduction was to see a, a local core that we did a lot of work together with and uh, had a fantastic partnership with. So that's kind of my Salvation Army background. Otherwise, until recently, I was the co-president of the European Forum of LGBT Christian Groups. Uh, we are represented in more than 20 countries with over 40 groups. They're both Orthodox, Catholic and Protestant. So it means the whole range of all the colours of Christianity was kind of under that umbrella, which was fantastic. Uh, and I've been a minister for many years, a church planter and been starting social projects in different parts of the world and also trained pastors and leaders. At a, first at a Bible school we started and later as a kind of an alternative pastor seminary. Um, so that's some of the things I've been involved with. Okay, well, that's a lot. <laughs> In the very best way, that really is a lot. That's, but that's wonderful. You've got such a, a breadth of experience with the church there. Um, you know, Orthodox, Catholic, Protestant, different nationalities, obviously the Salvation Army, new churches, established churches, and and obviously work that goes beyond just the Sunday morning service. You're, yeah. you're obviously very much, which is, I think, where we see the, the crossover with the Salvation Army of looking at the... The, the sort of the hand-to-man reaching out and sharing the gospel in service to, to those who are in need. As you've, as you've worked um, with, with this organization across Europe, what are some of the, the issues that you see that are, are facing the LGBTQI plus community in, in different nations? Maybe even if you can see, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to assume that all Western Europe is the same, um, but I would also imagine there's a significant 
uh, difference in what's happening in Eastern Europe as opposed to Western Europe. So if you could share that, that'd be great. The thing is that it's difficult to talk about a pattern because almost like each place has a special trend. Uh-huh. And, and again, when you have a trend for some years, it might go the other way. So because we're represented in, in more than 20 countries, it also meant that, yes, we did have North, South, East and West Europe uh, involved. So it is really Russia, Ukraine, Hungary, or Italy, Italy um, the Netherlands, uh, Norway, and you name it. And, and it was very different. And again, I think that because also it, it was the breadth also of really of church work from having state churches, being Orthodox, Catholic, or Lutheran, or, or Calvinistic state churches, or you had the, like, us that works, or involved with Salvation Army, the kind of all, still mainstream churches, but then in many ways did not really always have a voice because it was not the state churches. And that means that often when you people ask me about Europe, they'll say, well, you, you believe in a liberal country and everything is fine, saying, yeah, some of the state churches, they have uh, been become more inclusive. But when you look at the Methodist Salvation Army, the Pentecostals, the Baptists, the Congregational Church, you name it, many of them are not. And for many of them, there's so little debate. And it was actually part of me coming out six years ago was that I thought for 30 years, nothing has happened. We are now just having the same debate as when I was young 30 years ago. Um, It just it's changed a little bit, but actually it's not really changed. The language has changed a bit. But we have not really changed. And I'm thinking the church is not moving on. I need to be able to have a voice into this as well, because otherwise we'll just wait another 30 years and nothing has really happened. And and for me, it's not so much about do we become like society, but much more. How do we still become cutting edge as a church? And part of that is when do we stop harming people? Because if our theology have pastoral consequences, and we know that if you're LGBT and involved in church, there's a bigger chance of self-harm, suicide, depression, anxiety, and things like that. It's better to be an atheist than it is to be a Christian. If that is true, we really need to think through our view, our theology about some of these things, because the church should be a healing community. We've been promised healing for every season of the year, haven't we? Book of Revelation, there will be healing flowing to the nations, there will be healing all the time. And if we are not a healing voice, we have a serious problem. Absolutely, it is It is a damning indictment on the church that there are uh, young people in our community who are more at harm in the church than out of the church. How do we, how do we call people to Jesus if we're calling them to pain and suffering? Um, that, that, that that's destructive, you know. Um, but can I just, sorry, I didn't fully answer your question before. Yes. But if you look at uh, ILGA, that is one of these umbrella organizations for LGBT groups, they do every year a, a map of Europe, they call the Rainbow Index, to say how inclusive is this nation. So I think just using a couple of our statistics will maybe help in answering your question as well. So for instance, Denmark, where I live, we are 74%. So if you're LGBT in Denmark, you've got 74% of the rights of a heterosexual person, wow. a straight person. So, and that's good because that's number two in Europe. Wow. If you live in the Czech Republic, it's 26%. If you live in Monaco, it's 13%. If you live in Italy, 25%. In Russia, 8%. Or in the UK, 53%. Um, Finland, 60%. Poland, 13 Belarus, 12 Can you see the difference? So mm-hmm. what we are talking about do you have the same legal rights as somebody else? So even a country like Denmark with 74%, if I went to women and saying, 
because you're born a woman, you should only have 74% of the rights that I have, or because I'm white or black or whatever, there'll be an uproar. You will never accept that just because the way you were born or who you are should stop you from having the same rights as others. But that is what we're accepting in the church when we see these statistics. Just looking at these, the church should be on the forefront in shouting about people not having the same rights as others. And how can we, human rights are Christian rights. They're all inspired by the Bible, the whole United Nations Human Rights Charter. It's, it's incredibly difficult. But, um, but how come we're not shouting about that? Because actually we really have a, something to talk about. And where the church can be on the forefront and saying it cannot be right, the church or community creates a lot of pain and uh, problems in people's lives. Yeah, and unfortunately, it's not just that we're not shouting for those rights. Sometimes we're the ones that are campaigning that those rights stay restricted, you know, and, and don't even offer a safe space uh, for those who are, who are suffering. And we have seen that, especially with some of the, uh, what we call the Eastern Europe countries, they're always like it themselves being called that, but, but all the ex-communist countries. We have seen again when that it's, it's church together with right-wing governments that is using a language where you're demonizing LGBT people. You are not a patriot if you are gay. Wow. You, know, you are not, you know, you are not a true Pole, Polish person, if you are gay. You are not, and you have these LGBT-free zones where you can't rent rooms, where you can't, you know, there's lots of things you can't do because they have said, well, actually, you are not welcome here. Uh, so those kind of things is quite common. Or I've got friends in Hungary, when they're pride there, again, it means if they have meetings, they have to have security because you don't know what will what, be, what they'll have to face. Um, you cannot talk about LGBT things in school, just like we had in the UK years back, mm -hmm. Section 28, where you, you're not allowed to promote, I mean, talking about LGBT. You know, <laughs> um, So for teachers were scared of talking about anything to do with LGBT and they couldn't answer kids' questions. Now those kind of things are coming to other countries as well. Yes. And it's very much the moral high ground that the church is choosing to push these things out. But who says that you and I are not moral? Who says that we don't mm -hmm. want a kind of a monogamous relationship? Who says we don't want stability in our lives? Who says, you know, so they put a stereotype upon, you know, as an added layer on our lives to scare people and to say we are bad people. Yes, and also I think there's a um, a problem with the idea that somehow being heterosexual uh, makes you more holy or sanctified or something. And, and of course, nothing in Scripture ever says that that is a saving state to be in. You are a sanctified state to be in. And I think um, not only is it um, that, that that idea is there, but I think then the idea that as long as you can act like straight people, you can be more accepted. And of course, all of that is cultural, you know, how people interact. Because, you know, you there are many heterosexual people around the world that have multiple spouses, often men with multiple wives. But in, in the cultures that you and I live in, that would not be acceptable, even though it's heterosexual. And so even in scripture, we see that as well. So there's this idea that as long as we can fit in with a certain standard that is set by people who for many years have rejected us, then, then we'll be okay. And I think that's what's so harmful for men in our community because it gives that inability to express uh, our, our real authentic selves. But also I think we have a, a definitely a spiritual problem because we are saying to people just conform mm -hmm. instead of being transformed. Yes. You know, and the gospel is all about all of us needed to, transformation to take place. 
you know, I need transformation to be more integrated gay Christian man. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, to live more authentic, authentically, that is part of my transformation. And again, not just be Mr. Nice and look as straight as I can and all these mm-hmm. other things as well, or talk about football, even though I care, don't care about football or whatever it is. You know, so the whole thing of how am I allowed to be me and express that because that is authentic. And I think that is also where I can bring out the God colors to the world much better. Yeah, because you see in scripture, I think, with those that Jesus called, there really was a ragtag, diverse group of people that were not all conforming to the same sort of identity or personality. And I think, um, you know, that's the beauty of the body of Christ is just the, the, the messiness even of the differences of people culturally and, and personality wise and, and all of those wonderful things. Now, of course, one of the big contentious issues that I think the church has with with the LGBTQIA plus community is pride. You know, I want to talk about that. We've just uh, finished um, a while back, um, June, which is Pride Month. And obviously that brings up, you know, on the one hand, you've got the, the community that is excited and celebrating. And then on the other hand, you've got a lot of voices that the church, the right wing, um, who, are, who are very, very much against it. So, so what are your ideas and thoughts on pride and maybe your experience of, of pride? Well, I absolutely love pride, and I think the church should love it too. Um, because the, when I took part in my first uh, pride march in London, and uh, we were hundreds of thousands of people marching, you know, I felt I was doing a march for Jesus. Mm-hmm. I, I really did. I'm not saying that flippantly. I really felt I was doing march for Jesus. I was part of Christians of Pride, uh, because it's so big in, in London, it means you can only, in our Christian group, you're only allowed to march 200 people because otherwise there'll be too many. And I promise you the cheering as we were walking along. Um, we had an, an ally with us, a bishop as well, and he put on his full kind of a, <laughs> kind of a clothing here and people just wanted to touch his hand, wanted to bless him. They wanted to say thank you for just walking there as well. It was absolutely fantastic to see the reception from the community at large. And that's not just the LGBT communities, but actually the community of London and seeing again that actually they're so grateful that Christians would be part of it as well. And so, and again, uh, party and protest should go together, shouldn't it? We are a protest mm-hmm. movement as well. I go there because I don't have my rights as a Christian. Mm-hmm. I go there because I was thrown out as a pastor of a church and that churches do not want me because I'm LGBT. And they don't care about my calling. They don't care about the fruits of my life. They don't care about anything like that. Just because I'm a gay man, then I'm irrelevant to the church and they show me the door. So I go there to protest as well, as we, but I also go there to party. So just like, you know, and I think that, you know, the weapons of our warfare is glitter and disco balls, isn't it? <laughs> so, and, and I think that we need to show again that we dare to bring out some color into something that's deeply serious for our communities. The LGBT mm-hmm. communities, some places have been dying. Also just look in the past, the AIDS epidemic, epidemic and the whole thing of that we, that so many of our brothers and sisters have truly died um, and uh, either because of abuse or because of uh, illness or other things. Actually, this is deeply serious. 
But we need to, at the same time, say, yes, in spite of everything, we will choose to party. I think that's a very Christian thing. You know, in spite of everything, we will party. Because, again, the kingdom of God is a party. Do I like everything that goes on there? No, but I don't like that at a straight play a conference or, or whatever it is either. Or, you know, but do I have to? Do I have to like everything to embrace it? But also... Um, you know, what I think is really funny is no Christian has asked me about my work among homeless if that means that I'm approving of their lifestyle. Nobody at every point, every people say, fantastic, you're working with homeless people. It's lovely you work with migrants. It's lovely you're helping uh, people that are drug addicts and everything else as well. In that moment, it's never about do we approve of who they are and what they've done. But the moment has to do with pride LGBT, LGBT, the big debate is, but that means that we are approving of what they're doing. A bit like this lifestyle thing. I think, what is that lifestyle? You know, my lifestyle is I walk my puppy. You know, I go home and, and cook. You know, I have Bible study yeah. groups. Okay. You know, what is this lifestyle thing? So, no, I love pride. And I think all the people who are against it, come and come along. Let's join in the Christian group. Walk with us to see it. But also, in Denmark, Pride Month is in August. And so we are, it's coming up for us. The whole week is seminars. The whole week is debates, seminars, workshops, open for everybody to take part in. The whole Danish foundation of what we call people's enlightenment has been a pastor started 200 years ago, all about general knowledge and understanding things. That is the center of pride in Denmark. Wow. Open debates, understanding human rights conferences, all these different things. What's not to like? Mm-hmm. That is actually what the church often is missing, isn't it? Because we're telling people at our conferences what they have to believe instead of debating and understanding and wrestling together. Um, but actually, the LGBT community is there too. You know, and it's it's true that there's, there is a very positive response. I've seen it as well at Pride um, marches when churches are involved, um, not the ones that stand on the sidelines screaming ugly things, but when churches get in there because... What I think um, has been set up is this dichotomy that that the LGBT uh, against church and Christianity, but only because church and Christianity has ejected them, has kicked them out, has misused them, has abused them. Uh, There are so many within our community that are really hungry and thirsty for the things of the spirit, and they want to connect with God, and they believe in Jesus, and they want to find their place in the kingdom of God. But we've become, the church has become the gatekeepers that are are not letting people in. So I think when they see us at Pride, they're suddenly like, oh, wow, there may be a space for me in this body of Christ. And of course, I only know, I've only seen uh, London and, and, and Copenhagen, but actually, in some ways, still still too vanilla, actually. You know, I'm thinking, come on, where are the things that are really provocative? But in the society in general, you know, 60s, 70s, people pushed boundaries. And a lot of also bad things happened, but development happened because everybody dared to push some boundaries. That's now so we got into, as be like you were saying before, as long as it's nice and it looks good, then we can, it's, you're okay to be there. I'm thinking, but no development in a society happens in any area if we don't start to push some boundaries. Same with church planting, same with spiritual development. Are we pushing something or are we just doing the same thing as we did 10 years ago or 20 years ago? So actually, I think pride needs to be much more radical than the ones I have seen. I think we really need to push out and see something else. So we, not not just to not to upset people, but to develop. You know, there's. Uh, I, I think about, and I'm obviously not from memory. I wasn't there from what I've read, but I think about early Salvation Army 
and the marches and just how obnoxious they were to many communities and that they were radical and they were pushing and so you know as an organization as a church the salvation army has that as part of our dna that that we can go out there and and upset people because we're pushing and promoting the gospel and i i fear that we've we've lost that what we do is we're upsetting we're happy to upset the people that that are already on the margins we don't want to upset the, the the sort of the main sort of structure the power structures and those maybe with the wealth or reputation or whatever it is and and whereas you know i i look at pride and i'm like well this is what army early army would have done in the sense of the the reaction that many would have had to it you know the negativity but a bit like i also think that just like you often say um you know a society's been known by how it treats its poor we can also say the church, you know, should be known for how it treats marginalized people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and we, the church historically has a wonderful role in being a place of sanctuary. And I think over certainly from from what I've, I've, I've studied and look, it feels like over the last sort of 60, 70 years, many in the church have really pulled away from that. Um, and, and maybe it goes back even even further than that. But there seemed to be a real strong, certainly in, in, in the US in the 1950s, it feels like the church really, um, I don't know, shifted in some way. Maybe it was if fundamentalism finally took over evangelicalism and suddenly we became something other than what we were. But again, because the evangelical world and Pentecostal world has become very much, this is the narrow way of seeing things. Yes. We don't see it in this way. So we are so, we become almost pharisaic in the way of, of looking at things that do you fall outside this because we want to be holy and moral and that means these rules and you have to follow these rules so suddenly we are so becoming afraid of society becoming afraid of debate become afraid of these things and actually it's it's the debate and wrestling together that often strengthens our faith and that we're not living on our pastor's faith or parents faith or something else but actually it's become my faith because we dare to debate that and we dare to kind of wrestle with it and to see does that make any changes or not and I think that's cr- absolutely crucial. It, it's very important. And I, and I think part of the um, issue that we face, which is a human issue, which I think Christ came to deal with, is how we have to be in control. And that means being in control of others. And unfortunately, in the church, that can translate to being in control of other people's faith. So yeah. I'll tell you what you can believe. And if you don't believe it, you can't be here, rather than being um, bold enough and brave enough to trust the spirit in other people and what God might be doing through them. I always think back to that um, occasion, and I can't remember the scripture reference where the disciples were kind of frustrated that there were other people doing stuff in Jesus' name. You know, and they don't yeah. like that. And Jesus is like, don't worry about it. I've got other sheep, don't worry about it. And I think that is a message to the church that, like, do the thing that we're doing, but don't necessarily distrust how the spirit is working with others. But also, even think about the, the, the things where Paul answering about the super apostles. And he says, actually, they are not doing the right thing, but at least the gospel is going out. Right. And I'm thinking, you know, and you're thinking, he just really disagrees with them. I'm still saying, yeah, but don't stop them because something's yes. still happening. And it, for me, that's part of that whole thing of pushing boundaries. Now, let's push some boundaries. And, and there's lots of different theologies I don't like, but it doesn't matter. I need to be challenged by it to find out, actually, have I just fallen into a trap of seeing the world with my blinkers on? Or mm. actually, is, this, is God greater than what I thought? Uh, and I think that's absolutely crucial. The same, why is the church not looking at what is the spirit doing on our lives? 
what is the spirit doing in the LGBT communities, the Christians, yes. um, uh, you know, what is going on there? And maybe, uh, maybe the spirit also is upon us. So um, maybe we need to actually, again, revisit some of our thinking because uh, how come the spirit is using us and but the church does not want to? Yeah, and there are so many um, organizations that are starting up that are both Christian and LGBTQ-affirming, yeah. you know, and there's there's something, God is doing something there, and I wish people would have the eyes to see and the ears to hear, as Jesus would say, so they can be a part of the work that's going on. So, you know, obviously we um, we see some good and we see some bad. Um, so as, as, as we draw to the end of this, we've got these uh, fast five questions that I want to ask you and, and get your get your take on these things. Okay. And, and I'm kind of excited because you've got a very broad experience of, of different churches and theologies and scriptural yeah. understanding. So, so I think this will be quite cool. Okay, so first one, thinking of people who are gender and sexually diverse, where do you find hope in the Bible? I think there's lots of hope. Um, I think there is hope in when Jesus talks about three eunuchs, for instance. We often talk about the binary thing in creation. We have Adam and Eve, and then Jesus just throws three extra genders in. You know, uh, you know, just uh, as you do. And I think even just unpacking that and unwrapping that is is a huge thing in itself. Actually, it looks like some intersex and trans people is being mentioned there. You know, or talk about the um, uh, the the uh, the soldier and his servant. And again, where the word that is used is really not for lovers, but for this deep, deep affection and relationship. And again, you know, a soldier, a Roman soldier would never care for a slave. They have no value to them whatsoever. So why is it that he goes to Jesus and please heal this unique person in their lives, in his life? Look at Ruth and, uh, and, and, and of course, of, uh, sorry, I forgot the other name, Ruth and... Um, Naomi. Naomi, thank you. Of course, the typical one, uh, Jonathan and David as well. And even if it's not um, homosexual relationships, it's definitely homoerotic. There is something about deep, deep emotional relationships between people of the same gender. And the Bible is embracing that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so I think there's some there's some beautiful things there. Or of course, the story about the eunuch in, in the book of Acts. We see how the spirit moved Philip, especially to reach out to this trans person and saying you need to be part of the kingdom of god and the temple might not want you but baptize of course let's throw you into the water you know we see and totally embrace um so i think there's something very very encouraging and we can see that the spirit is pushing something that we don't even dare to do today uh so i think it's lots of inclusion in the bible that's very very exciting yeah, I think of uh, the, the eunuch in Acts, and I'm like, wow, it was a lot easier to get into the church back there. <laughs> no membership classes, no soldiership classes. He was just in. I love yeah, that. He was in. Until that moment, of course, he was not allowed into the temple, was he? Right. Being a castrated man, mm-hmm. you were not allowed into the temple. You were out of fellowship. And now we have this person that actually the spirit draws in to full fellowship, not being told you can't be trance anymore, not being told you, you, you have to believe that and do that. It's just mm-hmm. you're straight in because you're God-fearer. And that is enough. You know, so uh, come and be part of the, the kingdom. Well, and, and the powerful thing about that, again, which is what I think is so true of our community today, is that um, religiously he was excluded, yet yeah. heart still yearned to be connected. He was the one that was asking the questions. He had come to Jerusalem. So there was still that, that you know, the, the religious institution says no, 
but the spirit is still drawing. Oh, okay. Okay, so talking about the church, so the hope in, in the Bible, where for, the, for, for us do you see hope in the church? That one is much harder, if I shall be really honest. I think at the moment there's a trend that is not very positive in church life. I think we've had just had some trends, quite a few countries that was positive. I think a lot of trends that are, are negative at the moment. Um, you look at certain denominations that try to push to take a step towards inclusion, and instead, what the what they decided was something that was even stronger against. Uh, we are seeing a debate after debate groups in like groups like the Anglican Church, where where they keep on you know uh, saying they want to have another report, another report, but they keep on again uh, pushing things out. We see the Catholic Church where the Pope, is, his pastoral heart is, yeah, they are, they are part of the kingdom and all this, and his theological heart says, we can't really change our, our views. Um, we, we see the whole Eastern Europe uh, rising and the populists arising, and again, very easily, it goes against trans rights, it goes against um, LGBT rights in general. Um, I see as well that the, the wave I see at the moment is that where for 30 years ago, uh, people were much more direct about that I will go to hell and things like that. Now they're just kind of um, saying it with a lipstick smile. You know, it's kind of, that's just become nicer. So now it is, but I know of course, um, you're just handicapped, you know? Mm. So, and, and so of course, uh, just like we are, straight people have a broken sexuality, you have as well, you know? So, so of course, conversion therapy can probably help you or something like that, because now I need to be fixed. Um, but actually, it's still extremely damaging. It's just as damaging as you're just sinful and immoral. Now I'm suddenly a handicapped person, uh, or I, it's a result of the fall, instead of God has created me with this wild card that's called a gay Christian man. You know, uh, so instead of embracing, it's just another way of pushing me out. And I see that very much pushing at the moment. And that I'm a, a lot afraid of because it means churches keep on now saying they're inclusive when they, if they're anything, they might be welcoming, but they're no way inclusive or affirming because there's still a glass ceiling and there's still very much control. Yeah. You know, as a gay man, am I allowed to do children's work, for instance? So the whole link very quickly to pedophilia is still in many Christians and also in Christian books, kind of a, a mm. worldview. So at the moment, I must say, I don't have a very positive view of what is happening in the church at large uh, and society at large. And I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, no, we all do. <laughs> so then, um, um, along that line, then, so, so what, does, um, what does being a good ally mean to you? First of all, not to patronize me, mm. um, but actually to, to try to understand some of the struggles and things that we go through and not minimize them. Uh, but also to to grab the mic. That is not just if I'm bold enough to yet again, having to one standing up and saying, this is who I am, or this is what I've gone through so people can hurt me again. But actually there's other people that will fight my battle, just like we are used to in Salvation Army and many other places to fight the battle for human trafficking. You know, this is wrong. So of course we go against it. Poverty, it's wrong. Of course we go against it. Where are the allies that, of course, we will stand up for you and fight against the discrimination. It cannot be true that you and others cannot be fully members of church. It cannot be true you can't fully minister. It cannot be true we cannot bless uh, if you if you find a partner that you'd like to be kind of uh, devoted to. Um, so for me, a an, an ally really stands with us, but it's not as a passive person, but actually actively doing it. But also the way it's allowed to cost them something. 
you know, in a structure like Salvation Army, where it's just a career structure seen from a civilian's point of view, you know, it means that, again, my guess would be a lot of people in the structure will not say anything because it can harm their career. And you take the loyalty line because that, again, if you want to be promoted, it's important to show that you are loyal. And it's not being disloyal to the values of theology by actually asking questions about it. That is not being disloyal, it's actually saying, this institution is so important to me, it's important we get this right. And let us therefore have that debate about it. So so for me, somebody who really stands with us and fights for us, uh, but don't patronize us. Well, talking about institutions and the Salvation Army, if you had one message to the Salvation Army, what would it be? If it would be provocative, it would be repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. <laughs> um, you know, because the whole thing of turn around, isn't it? Repent, turn around, see a new world, see what the kingdom of God is doing. And yes, some places it will cost money, and that's what we're afraid of. Some places it will cost soldiers. Other places it will be people saying, well, we thought that was the Salvation Army all along. You know, if we, we would think the Salvation Army, of course, would embrace all people groups and anything else. So I think that the whole thing also, I know that sometimes there's been debates by, by, with TCs and others in, this, in the structure, but have we been invited? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, or it'll be others speaking on our behalf mm-hmm. at some of the conferences. It's never right to be spoken about and not that we have our own voice. I was outed in the church that I was part of and thrown out within 48 hours. Wow. You know, I'd like to own my own story. Other mm-hmm. people should not own my story. I'm happy to share it so sometimes they can use part of my experience and I've written a book about it as well. But but still give us a voice. You know, let officers, soldiers, others, civilians be the ones going to these conferences as well and give story after story or let us share our hearts. But also, I've met both Salvation Army and other places were saying, well, of course, it's about theology. Let's not talk about theology. I'm more than happy to talk about theology. Mm-hmm. I am an evangelical, charismatic Christian. So wrestling with the Bible, that's who I am. So mm-hmm. let's wrestle together so we can get understanding together. I am not talking about inclusion because some places that's happening in society. I'm doing it because I believe that the gospel is a liberation gospel. And it's a gospel about everybody's invited to the table, the banqueting table, go to the streets, find anybody, drag them in, because we all need to taste and see that God is good. And I think Salvation Army needs to get to, let's taste and see that God is good for all groups again. Indeed, I will, yes and amen to all of that. And we have the spirit within us that testifies that we are gods and so listen to us hear us too we have the same spirit so then along those lines of of, well of messages if you had one message to those who are gender and sexually diverse what would it be if it's a christian message it'll be very much what i almost said you are welcome to the table Mm -hmm. the kingdom of god invites you to come to the table Mm -hmm. um and don't stay away and if you see that that people are hindering you and getting to the table keep on searching until you find a table where you're welcome Mm -hmm. or create a table and invite people to come to that table yourself being a church pounding movement salvation army and what i've been involved in all all my christian life as well is 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 church planting you know sometimes we need new structures and new wineskins if the old structures are excluding people from tasting the kingdom of god so I think for me again, I'd also say there is healing. There is healing, the traumas that we've experienced. 
Uh, I just read the other day somebody uh, using a, uh, the illustration of mosquito bites that for many of us, we experience all these little sentences and things that people speak out against us as a mosquito bite. And most of us can cope with a mosquito bite. But when you're being discriminated or people speak against you day in and day out, you're having so many mosquito bites that you, are, you all really can't cope anymore. And suddenly you snap because that extra mosquito bite was just, you know, too much. And I'm thinking that is healing for all of this, the gospel that is healing, you know, when Paul said in the Roman Empire there is no difference between male and female and uh, Greek and Jew and uh, slave and free, that was nutter. He was an absolute nutter saying in a kingdom that was totally, or empire, that was totally built on inequality and different groups. And especially these groups have no voice whatsoever. But Christianity was the good news into a society where they believe something totally different. Let us again be that voice into the lgbt communities that says there is hope there is freedom there is healing there is authenticity there is integration of faith and who you are and play with your identity play with some of those things not in a negative way but you know how do you express yourself isn't it also what being a teenager is about we often you know do i want to walk in this clothes or something else or do i need to speak in this way or whatever you know but actually, do we dare to do that? And I think we need to say to LGBT communities as well, do it, try it out. I'm not saying, you know, so so that we again really find out what is your voice? What is your expression? What is your way of living? And yes, you'll get it wrong, but everybody gets it wrong. And then we come back and we hear God's voice that is the, the good shepherd that says, you know, my rod and my staff, they will comfort you. And yes, sometimes you'll go through the dark valley, but I am there with you. And let's again be that voice that says, you will have lots of dark valleys in your life, but the rod and the staff will be there in the middle of that darkness, walking with us and comforting us. And if we need a good meal afterwards, he'll also provide a good meal for us. I love that because I do love a good meal. <laughs> so wonderful. Great words there, Arno. Absolutely. Um, that, that's, I think, a message that that is the message of the gospel. And that is the message that we all need to hear. And I think um, specifically for those who are on the margins and who are oppressed and who maybe have um, have heard a version of the gospel that is not that, that is not really the, the gospel that welcomes them in. Yeah, but also just think about, you know, take a country like uh, uh, Ghana. You know, many people in London are refugees from Ghana because the Christian population are oppressing LGBT people. Mm. You know. The church is actually oppressing them so much they have to flee their country. Or you have India, five million trans people. Being trans is normal in India. They mm. use other words for it, but that is what it is. So some of the things that we think, oh, that is different. Actually, in some cultures like India, that is very common and mm. is a very public thing to do that. But still the church is grappling with how do we deal with them? You know, just like in Ghana, it became let's oppress them. Mm. You know that, that let's take up these challenges in different ways and and then find out this is actually quite an exciting journey you know and let's find a way to journey together um and let's send out that invitation yeah can the church be brave enough to act in love well Anna, thank you so much for your time i really appreciate the conversation it's, it's great to meet up with you again 
Um, and um, I'm certainly edified and lifted and encouraged through this conversation, and, and I hope so many other people are. Very quickly at the end, if, if anybody in our, in our listening audience would want to pray for you, what, what would be one thing that they could maybe hone in on and pray for you and, and, and you know, lift you up to God about? Um, I am in the process of planting a church in Copenhagen. Uh, with Metropolitan Community Church, and um, I've especially said I'd like to to uh, start a, a church ministry that is very much based around health, and because uh, there's many churches doing social action and other things, which is good, and I've also done that most of my life, but actually I think there's a health agenda that we have lost, and I would like a church where we again have a health agenda as the foundation, but also where we as, an, an, as a church that is LGBT inclusive and affirming, can be part of creating healing into the society, but also to other churches. So if they want to pray for me, please pray for the for the this new church ministry. Awesome. That's great. Well, hopefully people will, and we'll see the, the kingdom of God growing and people flourishing in the spirit. Thank you, Arno. And thank you to everyone who's listened and taken the time. Um, I hope this conversation has encouraged you in some way, maybe enlightened you in some way, but... Um, directed you to to reach out in love and to connect um, the Salvation Army. We are about others and others are others because they're not the same as us. And that's fine because we're not the same as them. And the body of Christ is for each and every one of us. So God bless you all and go in peace.